Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Eric. It's always good to start the day with a little Seinfeld, don't you think? I know it's supposed to be humorous, but there's a little bit of truth to that, isn't there? I mean, he's on to something. If doing the same thing over and over again yields a result that we're not quite happy with, doesn't it make sense to do things a bit differently? I listened to a public speaker once, and he asked a question to the audience. I'm going to ask you the same thing. I'm going to ask you to put up your hands if you believe that there's something that you could do or say this week, maybe even today, that could make your life considerably worse. Right? Forget to put your ski mask on before you rob a bank, that kind of thing. So we all agree on something here. It would seem we have at least some control over our lives, over our futures. And that's really good news. Because it also means that if we make wise decisions all the way through, there's a good chance it could help. It could help a lot. And that's why we're doing this series called It's Worth Asking to take a look at where do we get some of this wisdom and uh, what should we be looking for. Last week, Peter talked about the book of Proverbs. And I want to just sort of chime in on that a little bit because the book of Proverbs has had an impact in my life as well. About 12 years ago, somebody that I knew came to me and said that they read one chapter of Proverbs per day, and there's about 31 of them, And what that means is that he was cycling through the book of Proverbs once a month. He says, you know, after a whole year, you've read it 12 times. And I said to him, why would you read it more than once? And he looked at me and says, try it, you'll see. And so I did. I started reading it. First month, I looked at it. And I don't want to say it's a peculiar book, but it's a little bit different. It's got a few paragraphs here and there, but mostly it's these one-liners, and they don't seem to be connected. But I read through it anyway. A couple of months later, I started to notice that some of these things were, were starting to gel for me. And a little bit later, all of a sudden, I would see a proverb, and I'd look at it. And I'd work it through, try to understand it. And all of a sudden, <gasps> it's talking about me and what I can do. And I wondered, if I applied this wisdom, what would happen? So I started to do that. And you know what? my business started to improve. My relationships started to improve with my wife, with my kids, people around me, with God. It was working. You know what? It worked. Now, the book of Proverbs, I don't think it's the kind of thing that should be just read once. I think it's more like an exercise book for developing wisdom. We all know that if you go to the gym once, you're not going to stay fit for life. You have to keep going. And I think that reading Proverbs and other wisdom from the Bible is an awful lot like that. So here's my encouragement for you. Why not give this a try? Why not get uh, the book of Proverbs and read it for a month, one chapter a day? And then read it a second month and the third. Give it six months and see if it doesn't have an impact for you. If you don't have a Bible, we have some up at the info table, or you can download one on, on the internet. You version is awesome, if you haven't ever seen it. Now, Proverbs is, is valuable, as I've just said, but there are some Proverbs that 
are just a little hard to understand, and I want to talk about that for a moment. Around here, you've heard us talk about the fact that God loves us, that he loves us unconditionally, and he loves it when we love other people. I believe that from my heart. God does love us. And so when I read one of the Proverbs in chapter 1, it said, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I have to say that I couldn't quite make sense of that, and so I thought, oh, well, I'll just skip over it. But the problem was I had already experienced what it's like to take a proverb and really mull it over and think about it and the benefits that can come from that. So I went back to it, and I started working on it. I found out a couple of interesting things. For one thing, the ancient Hebrew word that was used for fear has three potential meanings. One of those meanings is good old-fashioned fear. One of those meanings is awe, to be in total awe. And one of them is reverence, deep respect. I thought, okay, good. I think I'm getting someplace. I think I'm starting to figure this out. But I wanted to go deeper. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Lauren talked about a man named David and how he had used wisdom in a tense situation inside of a cave. And I, I wanted to pick up where she left off by going back in his life to when he was a teenager, about 14 or 15 years old. It's a famous story. You've heard it. But I'm going to say it again in perhaps a slightly different way with the hopes that we can work out this, this issue we're having. David was the youngest in his family. And so it was his job to take care of the family's flock of sheep. He was a shepherd. Now, to be fair, that's no small thing. Sheep were used for the, the wool, and so clothing, and, and they'd be used for food. And so really, he was taking care of the family's food and clothing. Pretty important. So what he would do is take the sheep up into the hills to grassy fields so that they could eat and to still pools of water where they could drink something. His job was to protect them if a predator would come and also protect them from themselves because sheep have this habit of sometimes running off. You'd have to bring them back. Tools of the trade, a staff, a long staff, and a shorter rod. And he'd use that to get the sheep to go where they needed to go, keep them safe so that they didn't hurt themselves, that sort of thing. Pretty busy job sometimes, but there would also be long periods of time where he could just look up at the blue sky and and think and pray. And he could play music. He was a musician. He had a stringed instrument. And he wrote songs. Well, song poems, really. The book of Psalms in the Bible has about 150 different psalms in there, and the grand majority of them were written by him. So I thought it would be useful to look and see a little bit more about what David and how he felt about God. And there's a very famous psalm that he wrote, and I want to read that for you. Listen for the imagery. He wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
It refreshes my soul. Remember that. It's going to come up again later. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you pick up on that? David loves God. And he loves his guidance, the staff and the rod, comfort. And he fear no evil. Why? Because God is with him. That's what comforts him. So we're getting a bit of a feel. Not too long after, David was asked by his father to go take food and supplies to his older brothers who were in the army. And as he approached the battle scene, this is what he saw. On the one side on the hill was this massive army of the Philistines. And on this side was the army of the Israelites. And there in the middle on the battlefield was the biggest guy he'd ever seen in his life, Goliath. We hear that he was over nine feet tall. His armor was about 150 pounds, and he wore it like it was nothing. The guy was strong, and he had the latest and greatest weaponry. He had swords and spears and, and, um, and javelins made out of brass, even. Not only that, he was experienced. He'd never been beaten. He was dangerous. And there he stood in the middle of the battlefield, shaking his fist up at the Israelites and saying all kinds of insults toward them and toward God, their God, our God. And then he challenged them. He said, send your best guy to come and fight me. If I win, all of you will be our slaves. And if he wins, all of us will be your slaves. This had been going on for six weeks every single day. Now, nobody ever came forward. We hear that they were kind of scared, and, and I don't blame them. Do you? But on the other hand, it wasn't just that they were afraid to die. It's what it meant. They'd be letting down their whole country. The pressure was on. Well, David heard this while he was standing there, and he couldn't take it. He went to the king and asked for permission that he would go down and fight Goliath. And the king said yes. So here we have the scene. Battlefield, hot and dry. Goliath, over nine feet tall, full body armor, latest weaponry. And on this side, five foot nothing David. Dressed in the equivalent of a t-shirt and a pair of shorts. He's got a staff. He's got a sling, five rocks. That's it. Can you imagine it? Picture it for a second. What if that were you? And you're looking out, and what do you see? You see Goliath, and behind him a whole army. And all of them want you dead. What would that feel like? 
Goliath is now laughing at David and insulting him and wishing him dead, saying he's going to turn him into buzzard food. David's response is to look at him and say, you come with sword and spear and javelin, but I come in the name of the Lord. And after saying a few more things, he says this. Looking out over all of his enemies, he says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Goliath advances. David doesn't run away. David doesn't even stand his ground. He runs toward the battle with a sling and some stones. And he wins. He wins. Let me ask you a question. What are the Goliaths in your life? You know, those problems that are just so big, too big, seemingly invincible problems. Are they finances? Relationships. Relationships breaking apart and you can't get it together again. Is it conflict? Health. What about addictions? What about habits that are not healthy that you can't seem to break? What are the Goliaths in your life? And my second question is, are you really trying to battle them on your own? Really? David went on to become king. And he was a good king and a successful king, and things were going really, really well for him in general. But from time to time, he made mistakes, and in some instances, he made some really big ones, did some things that were really, really wrong. And when a spiritual advisor came alongside and lovingly pointed it out to him, he didn't get angry at the spiritual advisor. Instead, he prayed to God, expressed his deep sorrow for what he had done, because he loved God, because he had reverence for God. Not only that, he loved the laws that God had. He loved the commandments. It's said of David that he would meditate on God's law day and night. You think, well, how does that work? He says, well, he's just always thinking about it because he loved them. He even wrote a psalm about them. Have a listen. It's psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned in keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. 
May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Did you catch that part about restoring the soul? Remembering what he wrote, that the staff and the rod comforts him, that God's presence removes fear of evil. He loved the commandments. He found wisdom there. Maybe we can too. He saw them as a gift. Maybe we can see them that way too. His second son by Bathsheba was Solomon, who wrote the Proverbs that we had listened to last week. And that means so much to me as well. But not only that, his descendants, a thousand years after that, Jesus. Jesus was a descendant of David. In case you're wondering whether or not David's pleas for forgiveness for some of the things had gone unanswered, it would seem the answer is, yes, they did. God did show him love. What did Jesus have to say about these commandments that David loved so much? Well, in one day, the religious types of the day tried to corner him a little bit by asking him a hard question. What is the greatest commandment of all? This is how Jesus answered it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to this. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Yes, God is awesome and powerful and deserves our respect. Yes, God loves us unconditionally. And yes, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom But it's only the beginning. There's so much more. And the Proverbs, the Psalms, the ancient laws, the New Testament, these are gifts. And the greatest gift of all is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now that's wisdom. And it's worth asking. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have given us all these gifts. Gifts of wisdom all throughout the Bible. And your wonderful gift of your son, Jesus. Be with us, Father, as you continue to teach us to love to love you, and to love others as we love ourselves. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.